What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Av Geek Chronicles podcast. I am your host, Colin, the chief Av Geek, aviation maniac, or whatever you want to call me. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Av Geek Chronicles podcast. So glad you took the time to to join me here on another episode. Um, big news, everybody. I don't know if you're a follower out on Instagram uh, or you've been following my personal handle out on Twitter, but I randomly just popped open uh, my podcast platform t- uh, the other day and I looked at my stats and I had a big milestone here on the podcast and I surpassed the 10,000 download mark and you're probably like, yeah, that's not that much. You know, there's people out there with 10,000 followers. Yeah, but I don't do any advertising. I don't do really any uh you know, this isn't like a blog. I'm not an influencer by any chance um, in, in those terms, you know, even though people probably see me as a podcast influencer for what I do. Um, and, and that's what I'm trying to do. But I just, man, I hit the 10,000 download mark and I just felt so grateful. I really appreciate all of you people out there giving the podcast an opportunity. Thank you for listening. Thank you for DMing me your comments. Thank you for putting your comments out uh on uh, on iTunes, I really appreciate it. I do read those. Um, so remember, if you haven't, please after the episode today, especially because I think you're really going to enjoy this episode today, uh, go leave a rating and a comment out on the iTunes uh, podcast library application because I really do appreciate that. But again, I passed the ten thousand mark. I really didn't think I was going to do this when I first started the podcast, um, but it just happened. And I think that's with everything, guys. When you put in the work, when you do something you really care about and you really enjoy, you hit milestones like this. So this is only the beginning milestone. I'm going to continue doing this. I love this podcast. Uh, and next week, I'm going to start a new segment. I posted about it. I'm going to start a new segment called Short Final here on the podcast. You guys know me for Ask the Av Geek. Uh, and it's been really, really successful. And I'm going to continue it. But like I said at the beginning of the year, one of my goals is to bring a lot of different content out on the podcast. I don't want to just be an interview show. And and because I get a lot of opinions from my guests, and I really love hearing what they have to say because I get educated on a lot of things as well. But I know people are like, well, are you going to do a podcast episode by yourself? So that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a new segment on the podcast called Short Final. It's basically just going to be a short five to 10 minute podcast episode with my thoughts on a random aviation topic. I'm not going to tell you what the first one's going to be because I have it all planned out, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. And I think it's going to be a great way to kick off this new podcast segment called Short Final. Get it? You know, aviation term. Sorry, guys. That's just the Avgate gave me. Um, but what is to come on today's episode? We're bringing back another episode of the Ask the Av Geek Show. And guys, I think you're going to love this episode coming up. I have a special guest with me today. He's got an awesome story. His background is just incredible. I mean, he's had so many different experiences. Plus, he has the same, he's from the same city as one of our guests in the past. So I'm very stoked to introduce you all to Jerome Stanislaus to the Ask the Av Geek Show. Jerome, how are you doing today? Oh uh, man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Like I'm high on life right now. Everything going well on the East Coast? Oh man, everything is going amazing on the East Coast. Weather's the finally East. getting a little warmer, right out there? Yeah, it was pretty warm today and really warm yesterday. It's a little chilly in the morning still, but by the time the midday comes, it's beautiful. 
All right, man. Well, I, I just want to thank you again for for joining the podcast. Uh, and how I like to start out all these uh, these interviews with my fellow aviators is I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. Where are you originally from? How old are you? Where are you living now? Kind of the background, uh, quick background about yourself. Um. Yeah, my name is Jerome Stanislaus, and um, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my family's from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I'm currently living in New York, in Brooklyn right now. And I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I'm a third grade teacher. I mean, not a third grade, but I'm an elementary school teacher. And I'm Air Force Reserves. Like, yes, not too much, not too much, not too much to me, you know. And you're the second Brooklynite that I've had on the podcast so far. We also had. How crazy uh, is that? I know it's so crazy that that's just happened. We also, if you guys don't remember, one of my first guests on the podcast, Mel Williams, also from Brooklyn, also a great story. And I think that's why everybody's going to love your story, Jerome, because you guys. I mean, you have you don't have you know not everything in common, but your guys's. I mean, your demeanor, your guys's mission, just everything you guys kind of stand for, uh, and what you guys are doing in aviation. I mean, that's exactly why we have you on the show today, and we're super. Super excited to uh, to document kind of your story and where you are here uh, in the aviation field. But have you lived anywhere else but Brooklyn? Oh yeah, um, you know, like I joined the Marines when I was seventeen, so I pretty much lived like uh, you know a lot of different places. But and specifically in the U.S., uh, you know, I've lived in Hawaii, um, North Carolina, um, Florida, and you know, I spent some time in California as well. Mm-hmm. So brief brief time in California, but. I stayed there a little bit. But Brooklyn was home? You had to come back? Yeah, um, Brooklyn was home. Um, Believe it or not, I really didn't want to come back. Uh But when I got out of the Marines and I I EASed as a recruiter, so I was actually here in New York, but then I went down to North Carolina for a year. But I was on the GI Bill, and I, I kind of just wanted to go to a, you know, a state where I was getting the most like money to go to school. And... I was I was in a biology program down there, and but I, I realized like I didn't I didn't really want to teach biology. So I remember when I was a recruiter, like I would always send like kids that came to me who I didn't really feel was a fit for the Marines, but they had potential. I would send them to this college in Long Island that had a really you know good aeronautics program, and then I had a 4.0 average, and I was like, you know what, I could probably get into this program. So I applied to it, and that's how I ended up back in New York. So, I mean, is that kind of, you know, did you know that you kind of, you know, you were going to be teaching? Is that what you really thought you wanted to do? So um, being a teacher per se isn't what I wanted to do. I like the opportunities that teachers have Uh in terms to like just be a positive role model and influence like the next generation. But the profession itself, (laughs) no, that's not what I wanted. It just gave me like it just gives me access, you know, to to do the to affect the type of change that I wanted that I want to. But it's a lot of work. (laughs) Like being a teacher is definitely not an easy job at all whatsoever in any way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I mean, I know how you uh, and how you feel on that because my wife's a teacher as well, kindergarten yeah. uh, in the yeah. elementary system. And that was the, was, she actually started 
her first two years of college being a nurse. She wanted to be a nurse. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then it just kind of hit her. She was like, well, you know, being a nurse is it's going to give me the ability to be a positive role model and help people. But yeah. how do I actually have an effect and really be a role model for people? And that's when it just clicked. And now she's teaching and she absolutely loves it and couldn't see yeah. herself doing anything else. So I, I know what you mean. But that part of you is really interesting because I feel like it kind of it, it kind of goes back to maybe how you grew up. So what was life like you uh, growing up? Um, it was actually it wasn't it wasn't that bad, you know. I um, came from a like just regular middle class family. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't really like struggle much at all. I didn't, you know. I mean, my parents didn't get me whatever I wanted, yeah. but um, like I never like I never went to bed hungry. The lights are never off, I, you know. So I don't have like any like crazy sad story like that. But um, my dad was like really you know, education, 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 but I was a terrible student, you know, um, I was really just lazy. <laughs> nah, I, was, I don't know what, if it was lazy or if it was just like, we foresaw way into the future and we're like, okay, this stuff that we're always learning, it's not really going to be applicable to how our life's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was definitely part of it. Like I really couldn't understand like why I had to learn any of this stuff or, yeah. you know, I just really wasn't interested. And I think one of my high high school English teachers pulled me aside one time. She showed me my grade book and, you know, there's a lot of zeros in there just for like my behavior. Cause I was kind of like a distraction cracking jokes and stuff like that. But she knew I was really smart. So, and it wasn't until like having, you know, have being her student for a little while where she just kind of just realized I was just bored, yeah. you know? So like, I just was a distraction to the other kids who kind of like needed to focus a little bit more. Did you play any sports or have any hobbies growing up? Yeah, yeah, I ran track. Okay. Like I ran track. I really thought I was going to go to the Olympics for track. And then once I got to high school, I realized I wasn't as fast as I thought I was. So, you know, kind of, you know, those dreams died. So, <laughs> and I'm always intrigued kind of, you know, how people, you know, how my guests grow up and their educational background and everything, because it really, I, I see how it makes them them and why they're doing what they are today. So kind of yeah. going into that, why did you go into the military? Kind of what was that decision? And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. This is a good idea. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy story, actually. Um, so I really had no interest in going to the military. Yeah. No, it's not something being from New York. It's it's not something and having Caribbean parents is not something that was pushed. And I joined in 2004. So like the war in Iraq had just popped off, you know, the year before. And, you know, on the news, it was just people dying left and right. Like just that was just all they showed. X amount of soldiers were killed today in Helmand province or whatever. So I just, you know, I just really had no interest to go. But I just so happened to be walking past the recruiting office one day. And actually, step before that, my junior year, I did have plans to go to the Navy because older, like the older kids on the track team, like they were going to the Navy. I was in the planes. I went to the office with them. I saw jets in the jets in the office. I was like, oh man, yeah, I'll go to the Navy. Like they can get me near planes. But my parents talked me out of that junior year, and then senior year, I just completely had no like desire to go to the military anymore. But I was walking past the Marine office, and my recruiter, uh, Sergeant McGlore at the time, uh, I actually just spoke to him the other day. Uh, um, 
he, you know, he tapped on the window and he said, hey, he like gestured for me to come here. And I actually put my hand up and I said, no, I'm good. You know, and I just kept walking. And then he knocked the window again. I was like, come on, man, like, just come here. And, you know, I stopped and I thought to myself, like, I don't really know what this guy has to say. And I'm telling him no without any information. So I know I'm not making an informed decision. So I kind of walked in with this attitude, like, you know, I'm going to listen to you, but no matter what you say, no, doesn't matter what you say, like, I'm not going to jump. Yeah, like, no is going to be the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still going to say no at the end of it all. So he yeah. puts me on this test. Definitely wasn't trying to take no test at that time. So, you know, I didn't really check my answers, you know, like, especially with the math, I kind of just read the problem and, you know, all right, this looks like the right answer based on all of these, whatever, whatever. But, you know, I really wasn't trying and then, you know, after the test was over, you know, he was really excited and, and like to talk to me. I apparently I did well. And um, he gave me these benefit tags and you know, he's, it says, like, what do you want out of life? You know, like, what do you want? Well, the first thing he asked me is, where do I see myself in five years? And I said, I want to be a pilot. You know, that was my answer. Like, yeah. I want to be a pilot. And being that I was 17 and um, no college degree, you know, He's like, well, I can't make you a pilot, but I can get you near airplanes. And so I ended up being avionics on CH-53s. Oh, cool. Um, for my first five years in the in the Marines. Do you like, did, did you like doing uh, helicopters? Um, I absolutely did not. The, you know, being an aircraft mechanic at 18 years old, you know, doing avionics, that in itself was cool, but... To be perfectly honest, like the Marines completely sucked the fun out of that, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, like, I never really wanted to touch a wrench or even like work on a plane ever again once I got out of that. <laughs> so, if we talked to our friend Mel, he'd be like, "Oh, you should you should have gone my route in the uh, the mechanic space." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, actually, I didn't know about aviation high school. Like, I didn't know about it when I was going to high school. And I think I'm just like a year older than him. So, you know, had I known, I would have gone there. And we, you know, we would have actually graduated high school together versus meeting each other on Instagram 15 years later, you know, which is funny, right? Like, it's really cool that there's a tool out there that can kind of connect us all. I mean, we all we all have the same love. We all have the same passion uh, in in our lives. You're kind of a little more closer than we really uh, than we really think. Um, But if you can think back to your childhood as you were growing up, whether, you know, it's all the way through the Marines or anything. Is there anything you wish you could have experienced more growing up? Um, that's a pretty good question. I mean, I do always tell myself, especially like when I was in college and I tell people, because like I really do wish I took school more serious when I was um, when I was younger. Yeah. You know, um, I definitely wish that I that I was like, yeah, that I wasn't a you know, like I thought I was just too smart for my own good. And yeah. I just, you know, and I was just really lazy. Like I didn't want to put any effort into like coming home after track and, you know, doing homework and studying for tests. And I just didn't want to do that. I did it one time and that was the only time I ever um, made it to the honor roll. And I was like, that was too much work. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> you know, so. Um, I don't want my parents to have that bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it was only one semester of my entire, like, scholastic career I made the honor roll. And that was the only time I really came home and, like, tried, you know. So, because I was trying to get into college and they said your junior year is the most important year and 
whatever, whatever. So, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to buckle down. And I was like, nah, this is too much. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like how this has changed now for kids younger than yeah. us, because there's like schools who are accepting kids without even taking the SAT and ACTs. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Like, Man, this is totally different. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine that. Well, actually that makes sense because I did a career day at my junior high school. And, um, when I went there, you had to take a test to get in, mm-hmm. you know, it was like a, it was like a, it was a public school, but it was a specialized public schools called a uh, Philippa Schuyler for the gifted and talented, you know? So, um, they didn't just let anyone in there and we wore uniform and all that crap, like our legit private school. But, and when I did the career day there the other, you know, last month, yeah, my seventh, my seventh grade science teacher said, it's, it's not the same. Like there's no more tests to get in. There's no way to filter filter the kids out so like the school is kind of like in crisis right now you know so um or it's just not the same quality of students when i was there and so as you were growing up and it was obvious kind of this inspiration for you to you know a kind of you thought aviation was great but you know getting into aviation was the inspiration you know self-created was it from your parents where did it come from um, yeah, so no, it, yeah, it was definitely self-created. Uh, my dad uh, tells me stories that I don't even really remember, you know, um, that actually I, I have a picture that I'm going to post on Thursday for my throwback Thursday. But um, yeah, he, he told me this story one time. We were in the airport and we're on a plane going on vacation, I think to St. Lucia. And the plane was taken off. And I said, wow, this is magnificent. And I'm three years old. And he said that everyone that heard me kind of just like turned around and was like, just like, like started smiling or whatever. It's like, oh, that's cute. Like this three-year-old just said, oh, this is magnificent because the plane was taken off. Which even though I don't remember that, it still makes sense because until I started flying, um, the takeoff was always my most, you know, the the most exciting part of a flight to me. And then once I started flying, like landing was the most exciting part. Oh, yeah. So. I think landing is still the most exciting, yeah, <laughs> most it's exciting like, part. It's like the only thing I want to do really is just like take off and land, you know? Yeah. And, and it's kind of funny that it always, and it stuck with you um, as, you know, going as you got older. And it stuck with you so much that you're also a skydiver as well, if, from yeah. my understanding. How did you get yeah. into that? Um, funny story. So, uh, th- um yeah, like five years ago, like I went skydiving, you know, I did a tandem jump and it was just like the scariest experience I've ever had in my life. Like I've never been that scared in my life. Uh, once that door opened, there was no dignity, no masculinity in my body whatsoever. I started screaming at the top of my lungs like a little girl and it was just really bad. So, you know, a couple of years later, like I just, you know, I would think about that and I kind of like wanted to redeem myself. Because once I was out of the plane, it was a lot of fun. So I was always looking for like tandem jumps, kind of like what I did before. I've never really thought about actually like getting a skydiving license. Yeah. And because I was searching all of this skydiving stuff up on my phone, like all these skydiving pages started like showing up on my Instagram. And I came across this video of this guy, uh, Trippy Hendrix. He's a he's a black dude who skydives and I had never seen a black dude skydive before, like as an actual as an actual skydiver with a license. And just and the video is just so badass. Like he jumped out of an air a hot air balloon 
with a GoPro in his hand in a teddy bear suit, you know, but his face was just so stoic that he was just like so unaffected by the fact he literally just jumped out head first from a hot air balloon. And just like the way he edited it and the song choice that he chose, I was like, oh my God, this video is so freaking cool. Like, you know what? Forget looking up these tandem jumps. I'm going to like start looking up where I can get a skydiving license at so I can like just travel the world and like just jump, you know? And I kind of wanted to add it to like my whole like personal brand I'm trying to create for Mm -hmm. myself in terms of, you know, just being a pilot, skydiver. Um, and then after the skydiving, you know, it was like scuba diving and, you know, I just want to be like an, an adventurer and doing things and being known for doing things outside of the box, you know, outside of, and when I say outside of the box, outside of the box for people from like where I grew up, Mm -hmm. you know, people like me, you know, because like these things are perfectly normal from people from other like demographics and Mm -hmm. other communities. But, you know, I didn't even know it, but when I went down to the um skydive school in texas um yeah they they let me in on a little secret you know that i'm a unicorn you know because that's what they call like black guys at the drop zone you know like because they're so rare and few and far in between that Uh it's like literally it's literally like seeing a unicorn you know so it's really funny because there's a quote that i have from you um that that i kind of wrote down and we're going to get into it the next section but i really think it kind of and not only it kind of sticks with your values and kind of why you're doing um, everything that you're doing now. Um, but growing up, you know, with things like that, with hearing things like that, with going through, you know, just life and kind of the experiences that you've had. What were some of the biggest lessons that you that you took or that you learned that you would say that you still hold really close with you today? Um. To really not, that was man. It's a few things. Um, one to like just always do your best to like just do the right thing, you know, and that way you don't have to worry as much about um, like being punished or dealing with consequences of things, and just being your most like authentic self. You know, my mom would always say, like, friends will carry you, but they won't bring you back, you know? So, like, always, like, be your own person. Like, don't like don't do things, you know, to impress your friends because it's all fun and games when you're doing certain things. But when shit gets real, you know, they won't be there to protect you, i.e., you know, like, committing, like, robbing people and, you know, just doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time to pay the piper, like you're the only one there by yourself, like get in trouble. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just just being being holding true to who you are, no matter like, you know, who you're around, you know. So, yeah. And I mean, I, I think it speaks to to kind of, you know, how you were kind of, you know, pushing yourself because you said, you know, you saw these videos and everything and it took, it was such a huge positive impact on yourself. And that's kind of what I love about social media and videos and being able to watch this stuff because in all reality, like, excuse my language, like there's a lot of bullshit out there on social media that's super negative, but then there's also stuff like super positive, like what you're doing, what the whole purpose of this podcast is doing, how that inspired you to become a skydiver. Yeah, Uh, And I mean, it's so important today that people kind of hold that close to them. Yeah, I mean, and being a skydiver for me, it's, you know, some people do it because they're, they just like the rush and they like the adrenaline of it. Honestly, that's probably my least favorite part. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, just because, like I said, once that door opens, that's like shit's really getting real. And it literally takes every ounce of courage and like mental strength that I have to overcome like that fear because it's so strong. Like, it, and I have a video like I posted like last week or something. It looks like I'm having a great time, but you know, that was my eighth jump of that day. But you know, the first jump, I I was so scared that I actually failed that first lesson because it was just such a sensory overload. I didn't pull my parachute, you know, like my instructor had to pull my parachute for me because as I'm looking at the altimeter, like I'm seeing the numbers, but it's not registering in my head um, what the numbers are saying. Uh-huh. And then he's telling, he's giving me the signal to pull my parachute, which is just like a pointing finger. And I'm looking like, what do you, like, what do you want me to do over there? Not realizing that he was telling me to, to pull my chute so he had to pull it for me and i had to like redo it but after that that first jump you know i got like you got that out you know i was able to like focus more and like you know do well but it's it really the the mental challenge that it gives me to control my fear and like literally like talk myself like into success is really what skydiving does for me and so people are kind of, you know, they're probably wondering, you know, how have you been taking all these lessons and what you've been doing and actually applying it here in the aviation field um, yourself? So I kind of want to get into the next section of the podcast, which is talking about this thing called Fly for the Culture, which you're a part of and you're helping run. Um, now, before we get into talking about your efforts with Fly for the Culture, I want to play a quick clip that you recently recorded with CBS News. And I thought it was super, super cool. Um Oh, this yeah. was just recently, a couple, what, yeah. uh, almost a month, a month ago, ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a month ago. Uh, and you were on the CBS Evening News. So for everybody, yes, that's the big CBS. You were with Michelle Miller. Um, yeah. And I really thought that this clip alone would make a fantastic intro into what we're going to talk about today. And I think what people are going to love uh, hearing. So everyone, I want you to listen up. Uh, and here is that clip. We take you to the skies for our final story tonight. Your pilot wants everyone to share his passion. Here's Michelle Miller. Put your feet solid on there. For as long as 18-year-old Davion Lee can remember, he's dreamed of soaring high. I looked up, I saw an airplane, I said, Mom, I want to fly that one day. It's just been a passion that grew in me ever since. So you can turn right? Now, much. pilot Jerome Stanislaus is taking him under his wing. All right, so yo, man, that's a perfectly coordinated turn. Look at that. Growing up, Stanislaus also found an interest in flying, but he didn't have the same guidance. I told myself that I would never probably be a pilot because I actually never saw a pilot that, you know, that looked like myself. Just over two and a half percent of aircraft pilots and flight engineers are African-American, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So last year, Stanislaus started giving free flights, often to kids of color. Aviation is just, it's a very expensive career to get into, so it is definitely a barrier. He's part of Fly for the Culture, a nonprofit that promotes inclusion in aviation. When you take a kid up for the first time, you see their reaction. Oh, it's, it's priceless. This is the best day of my life. Six-year-old Boogie and his three-year-old brother Tyler landed with mixed reactions. It was fun. It was fun? What's going on with your little brother? He's Knocked out. <laughs> you might want to be a pilot when you grow up? Yeah. Why? You fell asleep in the back. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's silly. Why do you do it? Because I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I, and I really want to um, be able to make a difference. And this is how I do it, you know, it's like my purpose. A purpose that's already made a difference. <laughs> Michelle Miller, CBS News, Farmingdale, New York. So give us some more detail now about why, you know, what is the Fly for the Culture mission and what is your goal with this organization? Um, the mission, you know, the goal of Fly for the Culture is really just to uh, just promote diversity and inclusion in the aviation community as well as to just create a culture um, where everyone feels welcome you know what i mean it's not a lot of people you know that are just really closed-minded they see it and they're like oh that's just like an organization like just for black people mm -hmm. you know whitey's not allowed which is not which is not really the case the actual goal and you know, the whole purpose behind diversity and inclusion yes it's to you know go into inner cities and kind of you know plant that seed in kids like myself well not even like myself but kids that or just young people who would have never seen aviation as an opportunity for them to kind of like, hey, like kind of realize like this is an option for me, like I can do this. You know, so that's like what, you know, one part of it. And the other part is to just create a, like an, exactly what it is, a culture where it doesn't matter where you come from, you know, that we all are part of this aviation culture. Like if you're you know, Hispanic and, you know, you're a 15 year old girl and you have a quinceanera, you know, everyone in that Latino community, like you say what a quinceanera is and they know, yep. or if you're Jewish, you know, and you're, you know, a 13 year old male, you know what a bar mitzvah is, you know, like everyone in like the Jewish faith and they know what that is. Like you don't have to like explain what a bar mitzvah is. So the same thing with aviation, like you grew up where you grew up in Texas, I believe, right? I actually grew up in the Midwest, Nebraska. Oh, the mid yeah, oh, Nebraska. I'm a tra I'm a transplant. I'm not a I'm not an original Texan. Oh man, yeah, I like Texas. Too. That's where my <laughs> skydiving school is at. Yeah, but um, I, you know, like all right, so you grew you were born, you grew up in Nebraska. I'm from Brooklyn. You know, there are pilots across the world that don't even speak our tongue, uh -huh. but they share, but we all have something in common. Like mm -hmm. we all know what it's like to listen to an air traffic controller for this first time. We all know what it's like to, you know, have your instructor get out of the plane and we go solo for the first time. The first time we, you know, landed by ourselves, you know, like these are all things that even though we grew up in different, you know, socioeconomic classes, we're from different races, different nationalities. Like we literally are part of this avian aviation culture and, you know, speak that speak that language mm -hmm. you know so to speak so we're all part of that culture even though you know culturally we're, we're all different you know so that's kind of like just the environment and the um you know what we're trying to you know create with fly for the culture and to be truthful right like the aviation industry in general if you look if you kind of look back in history there has been a fundamental change in kind of the, the population of people getting into the industry over the years. But when it comes to, you know, diversity and inclusion, do you believe the industry still has a challenge when it comes to that? I mean, absolutely. You know, if, you know, less than, 
um, 3% of the industry are, you know, not even just minorities, just, you know, black people. Uh And it was, I believe like 9% are just like minorities in general, you know, versus, you know, across all the minority um, groups, you know? So yeah, there's definitely, and, and women as well. So there's definitely a big push that still needs to occur, but you know, that'll, that'll take time as well as, you know, people just becoming aware that it's an option, you know? So, I mean, and it's crazy that you said that because this is kind of the quote that I wanted to save and, and kind of fit in here, but this is what you had said before. You said, you know, quote, I told myself that I would never probably be a pilot because I actually never saw a pilot that looked like, looked like myself. And is that really kind of, you know, why you took this challenge on yourself and why you're taking on this challenge of helping, you know, push and advocate for fly for a culture? That's 100% the reason that I'm involved in Uh it. You know, um, I saw my first black pilot when I was 29. Wow. (laughs) You know, I was 29 years old. Which is kind of, it's a huge problem if that's the case. Yeah. And I, and I fly, you know, I've flown a lot. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's not like I didn't get on a plane like every once in a while. Like I've flown a lot. And, uh, you know, I saw my first black like airline pilot when I was 29 years old. And I just remember so specifically because I had just started my first semester in the aeronautics program in that college mm-hmm. that I went to here at Farmingdale State University. Well, I started Farmingdale State College when I got out of the Marines in 2014, you know. Well, I started that program in 2015, but, you know, that was the first pilot I saw. And we actually, I, was, I just so happened to be sitting in first class. So I was in the first row, like right in front of the cockpit. And he was just standing there, you know, and I just I was really excited to be just completed my first semester. I had about 30 hours at the time. And I you know I just, you know, I was just like, oh, my God, a unicorn, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a, a black pilot, you know, and we're actually really good friends to this day. Like he still calls. Me. That's cool. Um, Yeah. When I was going through flight training, like he would just always call me and, you know, just ask me where I'm at, what's going on and tell me to stick in, you know, hang in there or whatever. So. Um, I think he's coming up to New York tomorrow night, so he's going to be here until Sunday. So he always like calls me when he's here. And you so. recently said that you know now that you're kind of into this uh, organization and, and pushing um, kind of this journey, you recently said that you know you were going to pursue this venture instead of getting more ratings. And, and I found that really yeah. really interesting. So what caused you to pivot and make that decision? Um, because of the reason why I even took up flying again. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's okay to talk about it. And if it's not, oh, well, it's just the truth. You know, after that first semester in college when I was in that aeronautics program in 2015, like I had actually quit flying. Really? You know, after that, yeah, I, t- I took a break for almost three years, you know, just because... It was, it was just a little overwhelming financially, uh-huh. you know, just like being in college and also like being an adult. Like it just, it just, it was just too much. Like I just couldn't like pay for it. And I just didn't really, I, I was debt free at the time. You know, I worked really hard to like, just like have zero debt. And I just didn't want to take out a loan to try to fly again. So I quit flying on my own. I would just like go on flights here and there with like my friends who just stayed kept with the program. And if they were going somewhere, you know, I would get time that way, but or experience that way. But, um, but then last year, and I, you know, I, w- I had this job, 
and you know it just really wasn't working out for me so i quit on a saturday and i just went to church the next day you know i was just like man i was just like really wasn't in the greatest place uh-huh. and i went to church and on the way to church right this is so crazy like i'm getting goosebumps right now like i started like seeing these visions of like you know it was really weird you know i just started seeing myself like being a pilot sharing like flying through an organization with with like kids and like other people and it was just like really weird because i hadn't even thought about flying in like two years two and a half years so i was i was just like really confused as why i was thinking about this right now and but i was like well if i to accomplish any of this i actually need to get my pilot's license so i went to church and i'm still not i'm like in church i'm not even like my body's there but my mind isn't there i'm just like thinking about Uh like all these things that are being said and then it's it's like it was a small church it was like my family you know like my best friend is his his parents are pastors his sisters it's like you know leads the choir or whatever and she was like singing and she literally just stopped the whole service and like she called me by name and just told me like you know you know god has like a message for me you know and she literally addressed everything that i was thinking you know like all the stuff that was just like weighing my mind down in that moment she like talked about it like like without even knowing without even knowing because i hadn't i hadn't seen her in years i hadn't even been to their like their church in years yeah but um so she literally addressed it. And mind you, I just quit my job the day before, you know, but I just felt like so compelled, like, yo, this is what God was telling me to do. So like right after church, I went straight to the airport and I signed up for flight training again. And I didn't really, you know, it's like I didn't have $210 an hour to be paying for flight lessons. So I literally was like, God, if like, this is what you want me to do, like, you got to like figure out a way to pay the faith, pay for this for me. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't, I literally don't have it right now. Yep. So, and I didn't miss a beat. Like I, I signed up for training and I literally had no money issues, which I'm still like surprised about, you know? Uh-huh. So I, I mean, I had some money saved, you know, I paid for some of it on my credit card. Um, uh, my mom gave me like five grand for it. I didn't I, because I wasn't starting from scratch. I didn't need like a, an enormous amount of money, yeah. but I needed like eight, eight or nine thousand dollars, you know, which I literally did not have. So yeah. um, it kind of just came. You but, know. but it's pretty amazing, right? Like when you really want to do something, when you have a passion and you kind of have that calling for it, and you just go with yeah. it, and you're going to put your yeah. whole heart. In. I mean, it's amazing the people that when you. And I've learned this the hard way is when you actually communicate what you want to do and, you know, you go out and do it and put your whole, I mean, it's amazing the help that you get from, Mm -hmm. uh, from other people. And Mm -hmm. so now that you have your private and you've foregone higher ratings for the moment, because I'm sure down, you know, down, I'm sure you'll, you'll do it. But how have you put your, your PPL to use, uh, for the mission of fly for the culture? Oh man, I've just been. You know, just giving intro flights, experiential flights. You know, I, I'm fortunate enough enough to live in a pretty cool airspace um, where it's not just you know open fields and marshland under me. So uh, when I take people flying, it is it's a like very, very memorable experience for them. So um, you know, through Fly for the Culture or whatever for it, Fly for the Culture. Um, you know, I've just been able to 
like really just hold true to like what I saw I was going to be doing a year ago. Uh-huh. Um, and it just, and the crazy thing is, like I said, I'm not the founder of Firefield Culture. I didn't start it or uh, Cortland did, but literally two days after I, you know, passed my check ride, he asked me if he's like, hey man, I just like got a 5013C. Do you know anything about nonprofits? Cause I don't know shit, but I started one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So but that's how all good things start, right? Like, yeah, he was I don't like, know how to like, do this. Let's just do it. It's a good idea. Yeah, he, was like, I don't, he was like, you know, I did the paperwork, but I don't know shit about running one. I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know shit either. And, you know, we kind of just been learning like along the way on, you know, how to run it. And we still don't know shit, but um, we're learning because now we have lawyers and stuff to like advise us, which yeah. we just we couldn't afford before. But um um, yeah, so we were definitely like making moves like towards the, you know, the the other side of it. And, you know, it's in our industry, you know, it, it's still a small one uh, and everything. But I feel like there's so many young people out there that really don't know about all the types of jobs that you can have in the aviation industry. You don't have to be a pilot. That's not the only thing. I mean, right, Mel, I mean, he became a mechanic, and now look where he is uh, in the mechanical field at Delta. And so yeah. with with your guys' mission, what are you doing to help educate the youth on all the possibilities that are available for them? Well, I'm glad you asked that, you know. Um, I actually am going – I have a career day tomorrow at a junior high school. Um, I was supposed to be at a high school today, but I, I pretty much used all my PTO, my personal time off uh-huh. at work to do career days, to go to high schools and junior high schools and do career days. And I have this PowerPoint set up where I have it broken down into, you know, it's titled, you know, um, a life in aviation. And the first, the first section of it is uh, A&P's. And I have like some pictures of some AMPs that I came across, you know, just through Instagram. Uh, Mel is up there, and there's a, a female. Uh, she's a B1 engineer that you know, and um, her name is uh, Aviation Darling on Instagram. And uh, and I just have it breaking down into what an AMP is, the requirements on how to become an AMP. And also like the salary. And then after that, the next section of the PowerPoint is uh, air traffic control. So I have what air traffic control is, the requirements, age requirements, education experience, all these things. And, you know, the salary. And then the last section, the last thing I talk about is actually being a pilot and the different um the different types of pilots between uh, private. I have private, commercial, airline and aerobatic um, pilot in there. Those are like the sections. And then I go into the, you know, the requirements and what you need to become a pilot and, and things like that. So, um, aside from just talking about piloting, like that's, that's, I'm actually trying to schedule a tour, uh, for the ATC facility at, in Farmingdale, you know, for like some six to nine year olds, uh, next month. I mean, next week. So, um, it's pretty yeah. cool, and, and I yeah. love I love uh, ATC, and especially like uh, centers and whatnot. Because I I actually just connected with one through an event that I'm going to do next week. Speaking of kids, it's dealing with kids uh, and planes. Um, but she's running it, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, if you're close, my company Bell, uh, we're close to uh, Fort Worth Center, 
which is kind of the, the controls the whole airspace here uh, in North Texas in the region. And she's like, hey, if you ever have an opportunity, like I'd love for you to come and, and give tours. Not a lot of people know that center is right here, literally in the middle of DFW. Uh, and so people don't give tours. And I said, so you, you tell me that not a lot of kids and everything. She's like, you know, every once in a while, but, you know, people kind of just forget about us. <laughs> and it's uh, And being an air traffic controller, and I hate to use money as kind of a thing, but they make damn good money <laughs> for doing yeah, what they so, do. Um, yeah, definitely. So the s- statistics that I have from my from my uh, PowerPoint, if I remember correctly, like the median salary is one twenty two nine fifty, and the top ten percent in the country uh, make a uh, hundred and seventy five. You know, the top the top ten percent. Um, Now, the caveat to that is being an air traffic controller, A, is not easy to go. There's a lot of dropouts that go through the program, um, and the scheduling can suck. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's it's definitely not an easy career. Um, I even read somewhere that they actually have the highest suicide rate. Really? um, Just because of the stress, yeah. Um, Before I was supposed to do avionics, my job was actually uh, ATC in the in the marines but you know i just thought um just like working on the planes and like being near the planes was cooler so i actually like got my job switched from atc to to uh maintenance which i should not have done but (laughs) and so i want to go back to kind of you said one of the things that you're using your your private for is to give these kids kind of their first experience in aircraft um so what have been some of the reactions of these kids and teens that you've had the opportunity to fly um, it, it hasn't only just been kids and teens, but just like the people that are flying in general. Uh-huh. Um, it's usually like um, the most overwhelming emotion is just like excitement and like disbelief. Yeah. Like they're in a small plane, you know, um, a lot of these people, they've been on, you know, airliners before, but that's kind of normal. Like people do that, you know, um, but for them to be in a GA aircraft is like something they never would have imagined they would have ever done in their lifetime so even though a lot of them have flown before like on an airliner they it's like a whole new world it's like riding a magic carpet you mm-hmm. know um to be in a cessna or a piper or an archer or whatever that i take them up in and, and so you know through the mission that you guys you know are trying to accomplish and trying to get out there in this journey that you guys are on doing that for people that are already in the industry, you know, us young aviators like myself all across the world, what can we do to help this challenge of bringing more uh, inclusivity and, you know, diversity uh, to the aviation world? Um, Just be supportive, man, like support. And it's like the like the, it's just like how the world runs, you know, or how the world should run. Um, we are trying to. I'm sorry, I got a little distracted. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, just support. Like, you know, you look at some of the other pages, like the aviation pages, like they're very segregated, uh-huh. you know? So um, some pages, like you won't see, you only see like one type of person on there, you know? And so, yeah, it, it wouldn't hurt to like, hey, give each other a shout out, man. Like this guy is doing something awesome. You know, just like what you're doing right now. Like, I'm, you know, to have me on your podcast, you know, like I was actually a little surprised, you know, but I, I definitely appreciate like your effort, you know. So 
um, like just exactly like what you're doing right now with this podcast, have me to have Mel. Um, yeah, it's, you know, doing stuff like that, just supporting each other and not seeing it as like me versus you kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was kind of funny. I got a, um, I got a listener shout out yesterday in my DMS and he said, Hey man, like I stopped listening to this other podcast and started listening to your podcast because I'm trying to g- gain my hours. You know, I'm at this little airline and, and I think all the people that you've had on have really helped me that there's, you know, I can do this and I'm going to make their, you know, make it eventually. And, you know, I had to stop and think, and I was like, you know what? Hey man, like, Hey, I really appreciate you saying that. But B, I probably know the I, I know the podcast you're talking about, and I, I think it's really good. You know, I'm not gonna crap on any other podcast here in our business because I feel you know there could be five to ten other aviation related podcasts. We're all gonna talk yeah. about different stuff, but everyone's goal is the same thing to push this industry to be better. Uh, yeah, especially because us younger generation, we're gonna be the one carrying this industry. And so why not be supportive? And that's, you know, that's exactly right. Like you stated it. I just want this podcast about to be, you know, to be about, excuse me, uh, you know, bringing diverse cultures being, you know, I had somebody from Canada, you know, I've had Mel, you know, different lines of work, different, you know, places, uh, around the world, you know, males, females, uh, you know, Latinos, you know, everybody, right. Like showing that this industry is not really what it used to be anymore and just pushing that positivity to hopefully get people to realize that. Right. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what can, you know, this is a big question. Um, because I feel like some of these organizations don't do enough. So what do you feel that large organizations can do to help this, uh, to help this challenge? Um, like just be genuine, man. (laughs) Like, like I talked about authenticity before, you know, like I just feel like, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like a lot of the or large organizations and maybe because fly for the culture is so small, it is, you know, it's still a lot easier to like to stay true Mm -hmm. and like be authentic. But, you know, like a lot of the big organizations to me, just they're just like a business that. You know, they don't, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know these people personally. So, um, yeah, yeah, just, just like stay authentic. Like just, just try to be as authentic as possible and like really care about the people, you Mm -hmm. know, like I've actually gotten complaints about that, you know, in my DMS as well, you know, where, you know, some of these bigger organizations, they'll reach out to people they'll respond and as soon as they say I'm a private like they never like even open their DM again to like <laughs> they never heard from them again yeah. heard from them again so it's like but I'm in there you know Cortland's in there we're like we're responding to all these messages yeah. having full on conversations with people thinking like and these people are like oh man I didn't even think you were going to respond to me because that's normally what people happen uh-huh. well I mean that's normally what happens you know people get big you know they get you know notoriety and you know, now they're too good to talk to people, you know? So, um, like we, like, you know, like we, me and Corlin, we actually got into not, not an argument, but we got into a little debate today because, you know, we're trying to like, like do giveaways and like, just like give back to the people. And we're like, no, we need to do it this way, do it that way. And, and he was just like, yo, pause for a second. Like we're here, like going back and forth on how to give things away you know, to the people, like just really, he's like, that's why I wanted to work with you, you know, because like most people like that are 
you know that have like what we have right now like he's like they're like they're gonna try to find a way to keep it for themselves yep. you know but we're like basically arguing on like how what's the best way to give it away so um yeah man just just put the people first man and just remember like why you started doing what you're doing you know and so there's, and this is kind of a question that I guess is going to, you know, push this a little farther. And, you know, there's a lot of organizations, small organizations too, uh, out there trying to get more youth into this industry, into different types of jobs. So how yeah. do you feel that Fly for the Culture is different from what's out there today? Um, Because I just feel like we meet people where they are. Yeah. You know, we meet them where they're at and people can tell that we are once again authentic that we genuinely care. You know, I literally almost cried on national television. I saw because, that, man. I saw that. Yeah, be, because like, you know, like I just I like like I just felt it in my soul like what I was talking about and you know, it, it just I just feel like there's just so much further to go, so much more to accomplish and it's like it's, it's like it's, it's a little overwhelming at times, you know? So um you know, like that so yeah, it just authenticity is just key like i can't even stress that enough so what's you know what's your i know you got you and Corlin are kind of working together but what is your personal ultimate goal for fly for the culture and i mean like basically if you accomplished one goal where you could feel you know what i've completed my piece of the mission what would that be um yeah so Cortland is the behind the scenes guy you know he's doesn't like you know attention too much and you know i love attention for like positive things <laughs> of course for positive things yeah. you know for like for doing good you yeah know, i don't i don't like vain vain attention you know because oh because you know i'm handsome or something but you know i want a hundred thousand followers on instagram because of the change that i'm making in the world not because you know you know i caught the best angle at the best lighting you know with the best lighting you know or i was at the best party or something yeah you're going so, for like you're going for legacy not yeah, currency yeah that exactly legacy not currency so um if i can for my own personal and that's the thing me and Cortland, why we're able to like run this whole thing together from different parts of the country only meeting each other once because our vision is like pretty much the exact same yeah. like like it's almost like we were the same person so um when it comes to this and you know what we really want to be able to do is hand out like just just like pay for flight lessons mm -hmm. you know like you know be able to not even give you know, a two thousand dollar scholarship, like literally take kids or take people, not even kids, like just people who are passionate about you know aviation, you know, really serious about flying, and pay for their pilot's license, you know, their whole entire PPL, pay for their instrument, pay for their commercial, you know. But I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for mine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like that's the same thing for it's me. I'm like, like all right, crazy. how do I do the rest? You know, it's crazy, you know, like but. I mean, I, we kind of brought it up earlier, but I didn't, and I'm, I'm not really sure if you really asked me or not. But um, yeah, I did make that choice between, you know, putting my money towards um, Fly for the Culture or putting it toward, well, the mission of Fly for the Culture or putting it towards myself and advancing my own career, you know. But I, I really just remembered why I started, you yeah. know, why I, why I, because I remember I quit. So I, I went back to get my pilot's license to do something very specific. And I just felt like, 
you know, just trying to advance my career and like getting my, you know, my instrument and my commercial. It's just, you know, so, you know, that wasn't why I went back, why I started flying this second time around, you know, mm-hmm. and it sucks because I put, you know, a lot of it was on my, you know, like pretty much all the flights for flight for the culture within the last year have been attached to my credit card, my own personal credit card, because I'm a private pilot. I am not a commercial pilot, so yep. I cannot, I cannot get paid to do these flights, you know? So, and I can, you know, even now, now that we have like all this donation money, I still can't even like take that money and pay myself back because technically, I mean, from my understanding of the regulations, like, I, I mean, I'm just still getting paid for the flights, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, that in itself is a little overwhelming. So sometimes I think like if I wasn't part of Fly for the Culture and I was just like my own self and I had like a GoFundMe, then yeah, the GoFundMe money would just, you know, all those donations would have been able to just come straight to me. But, you know, it's not, it's not really about me. It's about what do I have to, you know, just like change the world. So and you, you guys are doing, I mean, a phenomenal job. And I know there was some big news. Um, I saw it. I know Mel posted about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to post about it. I just, I keep forgetting. It, it's just, I'm literally one of the most forgetful people, uh, especially on like social media. I forget to post. I forget to do a lot of things. I'm so bad at it. Yeah. I'm trying to become so much better at it. But the big news that you guys have is you guys released a new scholarship, which is huge news for people out yeah, there yeah. that are getting uh, yeah. getting their private. Tell me more about the scholarship, what you guys want to accomplish, and you know how can people apply for it if they're interested? Yeah. So, um, well, right now the cutoff um, date to apply for it was last Friday. So we're going to be announcing the new the new um the new i mean hand me the new like the the winner the win- on okay. friday yeah the winner on friday but it, it actually started off with just like 500 bucks you know because like i said my credit card is you know a little you know it's, it's a little heavy right now so i kind of like slowed down on the flying uh-huh. aspect of it and it's like well i can't use this money to like fly with so you know, I was just thinking like, well, what can I use it to fly with? I was talking to, with, you know, with a friend of mine and it was actually his suggestion. He's like, well, you guys should just make a scholarship, you know, you know, like can you can't give your give back with flights right now. So give back with a scholarship. And I was like, you know what? You're a genius. Yeah. And um, um, yeah, so it started off with just 500 bucks, you know, because we just it's our first scholarship. We didn't really, you know, like I said, like, we don't know shit. Like, we're trying to, like, figure this stuff out as yep. we're going, you know? And so we started off with, like, five, with just $500. So because it wasn't that much money, you know, it wasn't going to, like, change anyone's life. It probably would have bought, like, some David Clarks, you know, paid for a check ride. You know, at most been maybe two flight lessons, you know? And... um. Yeah, so we didn't have like all these crazy, you know, um, not restrictions, um, requirements for it. So it was really just like your name, your age, number of flight flight hours, um, and the name and address of your f- flight school, you know, and and you had to be a, a private pilot, you know, working on your actively working on your private pilot's license. Not I flew six months ago. I might fly later. It's like someone who was like really just working, working, working at it. Yep. Um, they're, you know, and they just need that little extra push. So it was just like 500 bucks. 
And then people just like just took to it so much. This one guy from um, Black Dollar, I mean, I'm forgetting the name of his organization right now. It's like Black Black Dollar Brand or something. I'll have to look it up. You know, it's in the DM, and he donated a thousand dollars to oh, the scholarship. Wow. So it went from you know five hundred to fifteen, and then Mel, and then I, I had a, a Instagram live about it. You know, and then I brought Mel on the um, Instagram live and then Cortland was on the Instagram live and we were just talking about the scholarship, how it went from, you know, 500 to 15. And then someone saw that and was like, you know what, I'm going to donate 250 to the scholarship. So now it's like (laughs) so now it's 1750. Yeah. You know, and it's like it's such a mind trip to think about on Friday. Like, you know, I'm going to be announcing the winner of a 1700, you know, $1,700 scholarship. And it's like, man, myself, I could really use seventeen hundred dollars right uh-huh. now to, to keep flying. So it's it's so that's when this is what I'm saying, like authenticity and like really just caring about your work, what you're doing, caring about the people that you're doing it for. And like I said, these people are strangers. Like I we don't know them personally, but you know, we're from that culture. Yep. You know, like we understand what it's like to like be a, a a private pilot, you know, trying to pay for your lessons and, mm-hmm. you know, is it going to be enough? You know, like not everyone comes, like there are rich people who, you know, they just got it like that and they can just pay for it. But the majority of, you know, people coming up today, like trying to make it in this aviation industry are not like very wealthy. Like they're just really working multiple jobs to like pay for lessons. So, um, and it's funny, right? Because if you look at it, and, and I'm going to talk about this in this new this new podcast segment that I'm going to start next time, is the most influential and well known aviators. I would say most of them a didn't come from money and had to come up through the industry the hard way. Yeah, and it's like, okay, how do we start getting those stories out and showing people? That guys, you can make it in this industry regardless of what route you take. It just takes hard work, dedication, and the big word that I always like to say is patience. It's not going to be Definitely. done overnight, because like right, like you probably see it too, and you probably understand it. There's kids that go out and they take those big fat loans out, and they go to places like ATP. They go to the big name schools, and they just put themselves in mountains of debt. And am I saying yeah. that's bad? No, that's a personal choice that they have to make. Do I agree with it? I don't because I wouldn't do that. But yeah. it's like, you know, not all of us could do that. We can't go to yeah. a bank and ask for 70 grand. They won't give it to yeah. us. Yeah. And how do we get that positive positivity about, uh, you know, be patient, do it the right way, you know, do the hard work. Yeah. So what is your end goal? Kind of wrapping, you know, your mission with Fly for the Culture and everything. What is your end goal in just your pilot life? Do you want to go all the way? Do you want to get more ratings? Do you want to fly for the airlines? Do you just want to do certs? Or is it you just want to make Fly for the Culture big? What is kind of your journey and goal in it? You know, um, just the way my life has been unfolding, like I go, someone actually asked me that yesterday because I put the ask me a question thing on Instagram. Yep. And that was actually one of the questions. And my answer to that yesterday was, you know, some days I want to go to the airlines and some days I just want to have fun. But I definitely do would like to, you know, get all my ratings and, you know, apply for an airline job because, you know, that's something that I've talked about since I was a little kid, you know, like. 
my parents, you know, they that's all they heard me talk about as a kid. They bought me the flight simulators and, you know, I always said that one day I'm going to be an airline pilot. But now with this fly for the culture, um, yeah, I mean, if I can really, you know, even just do that full time and just like travel to different states, remote, you know, you know, airports across the U.S. and um, fly for the culture is big enough that people are excited, like, hey, fly for the culture is coming to, you know, you know, bumblefuck Nebraska. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and oh, my God, like we're going to meet the fly for the culture guys. You know what I mean? Like that would be awesome. Yeah. Too. Like, I think, I think I would choose that over the airline just because, you know, like there's that connection with the people, you know, the airline, you know, rotation speed, you know, and then autopilot, yeah. you know? Yeah, V1, so, all right, up, gear up. All right, yeah, let's get up, up there. You know? you know, you don't even have the luxury of like choosing your own route, like the way you want to fly. Like, you know, you just load it in, the flight plan in, and then the plane just knows what to do. So, um I mean, being an airline pilot would be just like a, you know, you know, an accomplishment to say, like, I made it and, you know, I would definitely still love to do it. But, you know, the next best thing or even, no, the only thing that I feel that would trump that really is to be able to, like, just, you know, fly full time for fly for the culture and just continuously, like, just give those experiences and, you know, just change people's lives, like, on a daily basis. So, um yeah. And I mean, I'm definitely behind what you guys are doing. I mean, I think it's incredible. I think the, I mean, just the, A, being on CBS News and getting their attention, it means you guys are obviously doing the right thing. Um, and I love it. Uh, and, and I'm here to support. And I know we're going to talk about at the end of the podcast where people can find you, uh, find yeah. you guys out there on social media. But I want to yeah. get into one more section before we get into my favorite section, which is the lightning round question. And everybody okay. loves that. But uh, yeah. I want to touch on, and, and I talk about this with everybody because everybody answers these questions so much, you know, so differently. And that's just kind of yeah. everybody's personal beliefs. And, and yeah. one thing that we talked about um, in your early life is you were a U.S. Marine, you know, you went to school and now you're doing this. So where do you believe you've gotten all this ambition and drive from? Um... Yeah. You know what? I, I just, my fear of failure, you know, my fear of failure has always been the, I believe like the re up until this point has been like the reason for my success. Like there's been so many times where I didn't even really care about being a superstar or being successful or even good at something. I just didn't want to fail. Yeah. And that drive to not fail ended up allowing me to like be a superstar and do really well in excel so it's really weird how that happens in my life but now it's just you know just you know accomplishments and like just just being the best that i can be at everything that i start and you know. so if you if you had to say you know one or two personal values that you say you always live by what maybe would be those one or two personal values yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, we we touched on it a little bit earlier. Is you know, just being your authentic self. Yep. You know, knowing who you are, where you come from, and you know, just off, you know, authenticity. And um, yeah, for me, like really, um, recently, uh, it's been it just having faith. You know, like 
like it, like right now my like my faith is like nothing it's, it's just like crazy you know um just especially with what happened with you right <laughs> like yeah you know it's like i mean like it's like there's so much that i i, I no, I wouldn't even really get into right now, but it's just like it's just crazy, like the way my faith is set up right now. So, um, for me, like there's everything that happens in my life, um, like the really like big things, I never like would have seen it coming. And there's a lot of like shitty things that happen, and I'm just like, yo, well, why did that happen? You yep. know, like, like what the hell? Like I'm doing good. Like why is this happening? You know, but. You know, life can only be understood looking backward, you know, but it must be lived forward. So, like, as I live my life and then I reflect on it, it's like, that's why that really shitty thing happened. Because I needed that to prepare me for, like, what's happening right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, and you kind of talked about it. It was your field of failure that has really kind of driven your ambition uh, and kept you going. But, you know, with the experience and with some of the people uh, and maybe some of the younger folks that you've you've ran into and have the experience with, what do you believe is the most common reason for, you know, our age of people, you know, of failing or giving up on their dreams, whether that be in aviation or not? Um, so just from my experience, what I um, what I have noticed is just lack of support. Um, even, you know, you know, sometimes your family is like the most toxic thing <laughs> that you have in your life, you know? So, um, lack of support and also lack of like just representation. You know, when you don't feel like when you, when you don't see people where you come from, um, doing certain things you just kind of get into this mindset i'm from this small town you know so you know everyone in my town you know they go work at the factory or you know they're they're a farmer so they just kind of like don't have bigger dreams or they don't think bigger dreams are you know possible for them or like me like you know i had all the support in the world from my family like no one ever told me like you cannot do something you know, if anything, my dad, my parents, my uncles and aunts, everyone ever always said, you can do whatever you put your mind to. But I was the one who put myself in a box because I was just like, well, I don't know anyone like me who's done what I want to do. So maybe it's, you know, I can't do it either, you know? So, um, yeah, you know, just lack of support and um, representation. And so if you could, you know, at the age where you are now and the experience that you've had, if you could kind of look back in life and send your, you know, send a message to yourself 10 years ago, what would you tell the younger Jerome? Um, yeah, I would definitely. So I was a little rebellious, man. Like my parents, I would always, you know, my parents would tell me things and I would feel like my parents were old school, outdated. Like they didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah. Bro, just listen to your mom more. <laughs> <laughs> Give her appreciation, man. She's got your yeah, best like, interest. Bro, like just listen to her. It's been some really like crazy times where I would, you know, just blow my mom off and then I'm like, damn, I should have listened to my mom. So um <laughs> definitely it would have saved me a lot of like heartache and pain. <laughs> yeah. If I if I had just listened to my mom more, you know. So I think every and you know it's funny. I would tell myself, I would say, yeah, you probably should have listened to your mom a little bit, a little bit more. And I love mom. I mean, she's been so supportive, even though she's hard on me, and yeah. I still give her crap. 
Um, yeah. I definitely listen to her more now than I think I did when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you understand, you know, like they live life, they've been where you've been, and yep. you know, they just see things. They're able to see things. And I love that, man. And I love all the stuff that we've talked about. I mean, where you came from, you know, how, you know, what's molded you into the person that you are today, you know, what Fly for the Culture is doing, what you're doing and how your own mission is kind of mixing in with the mission uh, of the organization and all the cool things that you guys have been doing, the positivity that you've been pushing so much so that you guys got a spot uh, on CBS, you know, with Michelle, just like, uh, just like I put in there earlier, uh, in the podcast, but I absolutely love what you guys are doing, man. Um, and I'm definitely here to support moving forward, you know, the mission, uh, of what you guys want to push forward, but we're now to the part of the, you know, I consider this the favorite part of the podcast for me and we've made it to the lightning round questions. And Jerome, basically how the lightning round works, it's 10 questions. You have to say whatever's on the tip of your tongue as soon as I ask the question. It's meant to be funny. We get a lot of fun answers. Uh, I think everybody looks forward to this piece of the podcast, and I do it to all my guests. So you're not, uh, we're not going to skirt the rules for you. So you ready for the lightning round? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right, man. Question number one. Everyone in aviation has their own quirks. So on a scale of one to 10, how weird do you consider yourself? Yeah, I don't, uh, I mean, I heard you ask me all that question. I remember, <laughs> I don't think I'm weird at all. Like I'll say, I'll, I'll say like one or two, man. I'm, I'm a pretty cool dude. Yeah. Man. So like, I'm not weird at all. The, the reason why, I, and my streak was killed last episode. I had my buddy Brandon on and he killed, uh, my streak going. But yeah. I guess the reason why I say that is because it really does take an interesting person to say, you know what, I'm going to become a pilot because not everybody wants to do it. Right. And it takes, it takes a special person to go through that training and really be successful at it. And so I don't mean to say you're just a weird person. I just say we have pilots have personalities that not everybody has. Um, and that's kind of the basis. So I respect your answer. I approve of your answer because I don't judge whether somebody says a one or a 10, Um, (laughs) but I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate it. Question number two, what is your favorite word? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my, uh, yeah, that's like the word I wish I could just say anywhere or, or holy fuck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> any conjugation of the word fuck. <laughs> it, yeah. It's funny because I, I used to play golf competitively when I was younger. Yeah. And every time I, I did something stupid or I get pissed and, you know, I'd, I'd say that. And my dad said, see, that's exactly why golf is a four letter word. Cause all the bad words are four letters. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Question number, question number three, we'll move through here. Question number three, what is your favorite food? My favorite food. Oh man. That's a really hard one. You know, like anything that's delicious and healthy. Like I can't even, I have moods, man. Like there are times where that's something I really like. I'm just not in the mood for it. So, um, if it's healthy, most likely I'm going to like it and seasoned right. You know, uh-huh. and got a little sazon in there. It's cool. <laughs> and speaking of healthy, I saw you drinking, uh, is that the red little red juice from, uh, Oh man, uh, I can't remember what it's right. Is that little red juice stuff? Yeah. yeah um, yeah. yeah. And it was like in a plastic cup with a yep. straw. Yep. Yeah. That was uh kale beets, carrots oh, and uh, kale beets, kale beets and carrots. Yeah. All right. And Question, and spinach. And spinach. 
Yeah. I kind of like those mixtures. It's good and, and healthy too. Keeps you going. All right. Question number four: What sound or noise do you absolutely love? Um. Yeah, I mean, I like. Yeah, so I like rain on my roof, like when I'm sleeping. Well, then you should be in Texas because it's been raining for like the last two months, man. You would have oh, slept yeah. like a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like rain on the I think that's a pretty like common answer, though. A lot of people like like, like it to rain when they're sleeping. <laughs> All right. So. so question number five, what's the most important thing you carry with you on every flight? Uh, my pilot's license. <laughs> Well, that's a good thing. Good thing because if you get ramp checked, exactly. My pilot's license and my Bose headsets. You know, you're a Bose fan. My my Bose. I mean, yeah, them, those eight twenties, man. They just can't 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 really argue with them. All right, question. <laughs> I, got, I got a pretty uh, cool email from Bose, by the way. Did you yeah. really? Yeah, they were pretty generous. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, that's good. I like it. I like where it's going. All right. Question number six. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt if you had the opportunity? Uh, you mean like my teaching profession? Because that's kind of like what I get paid to do. No, just like uh, if you if money was not an issue and you had the ability to do anything for a job what would you like to attempt outside of aviation too right like that's, maybe be like most, a scientist or a dentist or an yeah, astronaut i don't know yeah that's that's so funny to say that because i actually um that was one of the also questions i got asked yesterday too so astronaut was pretty cool i thought of that right uh-huh. as you said it but even more so than probably an astronaut because i probably would be pretty high up there like I just wouldn't want to have a job at all, you know. I would just like to be like a real estate investor, you know. Uh-huh. Um, you know, live in that lower right, lower right quadrant, you know, and um, just just be an investor and just, you know, spend money, make money, sleep, make money while I'm sleeping, you know. <laughs> so um, and then just have my entire life to do stuff uh-huh. that I enjoy enjoy doing. And question so. number question number seven, what? are you not very good at oh what i'm not very good at um crap i mean it's definitely a lot of things i'm not good at <laughs> uh crap man i can't juggle like I, I tried to do that yet. <laughs> i can't i tried to do that yesterday you know pretty i suck at that it used to be math, but then I got pretty good at it in college, so I like it now. So, um, yeah. All right. So, That's question. Struggling. A question number eight. What is your ultimate dream in life? Uh, my ultimate dream in life is to be successful, and my definition of success is to live my life on my own terms. You know, I like, like where it. there's. No- no restrictions on my life you know like i don't you know just live my life on my own terms i think that's the best answer uh i've had so far for that question so i really really like it all right question number nine almost done here what is your biggest pet peeve in aviation um yeah that i you know that you have to be a commercial pilot to get paid (laughs) i hate that right like like, oh man it's like stupid hey i know what to do like i have all my friends are cfis like i literally like can file an ifr flight plan right now if i needed to yeah 
which you know i would not deny or confirm if i've ever done that before <laughs> but um yeah man yeah it's like just just like there's so many regulations man it's annoying but it is what it is there is you know it's there to, to make the industry what it is all right to yeah, finish yeah. question number 10 last question of the lightning round if you could fly anything what would you fly um yeah i one of those like rocket rocket like those buzz lightyear wings yeah yeah i don't know if you've ever seen them before but they have them out in like dubai and stuff where it's like literally the buzz lightyear wings with like four little like jet packs on it and um yeah it's it's like yeah it's like the closest thing like the most exciting thing i'd like to fly probably <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that counts. No, but. no, it does. It's funny, right? Because I had a Buzz Lightyear when I was younger, a little toy one. I was like, man, if I could have one of these, I think it'd be pretty killer. Yeah, like a jet pack. <laughs> if I can fly a jet pack, like, like the Rocketeer. You ever seen that movie? Yeah. The, the Rocketeer? Yeah, man, like that guy. And, and it's kind of funny because I work at Bell, and if you, uh, one thing, people know us for helicopters. Yep. But... We also created the, uh, one of the original jetpacks, so uh, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, when we were Bell Aircraft Company before we turned into Bell Helicopter, and we were also the first company to break the sound barrier, which a lot of people don't know either. Um, but hey, Drum, I learned that on this podcast. What's that? I said I learned that from listening to your podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and which is kind of cool. I mean, it's just it's just fun the things that we get to talk about here on the podcast. Uh, and just like this in the lightning round questions, we get to learn about you and kind of the fun side of you and kind of just the things that, you know, make you tick and, and what you love. So thank you for playing along with the uh, lightning round question. But question number 10 is the last one that I have for you. So we are done and I really appreciate you playing along. But we're going to jump into the final questions here of the podcast. Um, how it works is I'm going to ask you a question. And it's just a reflective question, just for you to reflect and kind of what you what you think uh, about something in, uh, down the road. And then I'm gonna allow you to ask me a question. And the best part about this is I don't know what you're gonna ask, and I think it's really cool because it's really impromptu, and you're gonna make me think on my toes. So I'm really interested okay. to hear what you're gonna ask. So my question to you for the final questions is: 70 years from now, how do you want people to remember Jerome? Oh man, that's that's a great question. Um yeah that, that guy who helped make a shit ton of pilots yep. you know who helped like revolutionize revolutionize the uh you know the aviation industry in terms of just like demographics you know i'm not going to make like any crazy technological um advancements in aviation but just to like just change the culture of aviation mm-hmm. you know yeah, to have it like yeah, just basically to have a huge impact. The impact that I had on the culture of the aviation uh, industry, and, and I love that, and that's what I mean. I love about bringing you know folks like you here on the podcast is these are some of the stories that we don't really get to hear much in the aviation industry, and it's the people with the big followings, lots of money. Um, but this is where I think where the inspiration for some of the people that we're trying to touch uh, it really is, and so. I mean, I think that's really cool that that's how you see it. Um, And that's kind of how everybody sees it. And that's what I love uh, about what we're all doing here. So 
for your opportunity now to ask me a question, what do you want to ask me, your host? Okay. Uh, let me see. I want to ask something corny, but uh, I guess something that's just like important to me is like, uh, and I'm sure this is, won't be a hard question for the for you to answer, but what do you have of yourself to give back to the world? You know, like how are you giving? You know, how are you sharing what you what you've been blessed with with the world? So, around? yeah, and, and I mean, it, it's kind of funny because I think I know the right answer. Uh, I don't know, you know, the answers to a lot of questions. You know, it's tough. Yeah. But if I had to say something now, I think, you know, it's my time. Um, I think people, for me growing up and the things that I learned playing sports, all my coaches, and seeing the amount of time that they gave me, the passion uh -huh. they gave me. Uh, I'm not made of money. You know, I have a good job. My wife has a good job. You know, we live an okay life, but it's not like I'm rich by any means. <laughs> Um, yeah. and so I don't have, you know, and I'm also making investments in myself, uh, and in me and my wife's relationship. So it's not like I have money just to give people like other people do. So uh -huh. for me with the passion that I have in aviation, I think the best thing that I can give back currently. And I think even, you know, 70 years from now, it's still going to be this way, even if I have a lot more money, uh, uh -huh. which would be great. Right. Um, but it's still totally. going to be, it's still going to be my time. Um, yeah. it's just like next week I'm going to devote my Memorial day, which usually people our age are at the lake drinking beer, having a good time. I'm going to be devoting my time and an airplane that I have access to, to be flying around young Eagles for an EAA, uh, fly day in tandem with a, uh, a, a flying club. That's actually a nonprofit because it's named after a gentleman who died of colon cancer. And that's what he made his passion on was flying kids. So it's EAA and this flying club meeting up. And so me, I don't get paid for this. I actually have to spend money doing yeah. this for half a day flying kids. But I'm giving yeah. my time and my access to something that I love. Yeah. Um, and it's the same way, you know, when people DM me or have questions, whether that be about what I do at Bell or what I'm doing in aviation or how I did things in aviation, how I meet people like you. Or I had a few people ask, how do I start a podcast? And I think it's really, it sucks when people turn people away because they don't want to answer the question and go through that with people. And so again, I think it's my time and my energy to devote to them and say, yeah, let me walk you through this. This is the process. This is how you do it. Because I don't care. I mean, it's just giving my time and helping people. And yeah. it's kind of my comment, right, to, to how I saw what you were doing is all about your legacy and not your currency. And I'd rather people remember me for the time that I gave them versus me giving them anything else. Because I feel like if a person gives a person their time, that's the most valuable thing that somebody could give somebody. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're absolutely, you're, you're caring about somebody enough where you're devoting your full attention, your time, your energy to them. So does that kind of yeah. answer your question and everything? Yeah. I mean, I mean, time is, time is money. Time is something that you can get money back, but you'll never get time back. So, yeah. um, anyone that gives you their time, you know, I would say cares about you. So, um, that was a good answer. I approve of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Cause I didn't, I mean, like you put me on, and that's what I love about it. I'm like, ah, you, you put me on the spot with some of these questions and I've been put yeah. on the spot with some questions in the past too. So, uh, yeah. but hopefully that, and hopefully that, you know, people, 
you know, understand because that's impromptu, right? Like I didn't prepare it. So that's just my, my authentic self. So I hope people see that as well, uh, and see that it matches the mission of the podcast and what I'm trying to do, um, as well. So to wrap the podcast up, what question do you want to ask the audience? We'll post the question out there, uh, on the post when we launch the podcast, uh, and we'll put it out there, uh, in the story too. And I know you'll probably want to ask the same question uh, out on your social, social media. So what do you want to ask my small but growing audience? Yeah, well, I actually have two questions. One is the same question that I asked you is, you know, it's like, what of yourself are you giving to others? And the other is like, why do you listen to the Abigail Chronicles podcast? <laughs> you, know, you know, that was actually my would have been my main question. But, you know, after thinking about that to ask you, I feel like that's a good question for the listeners to ask themselves as well is, you know, what am I doing? to you know benefit someone else uh-huh. you know and it's funny and it's funny that we'll ask that question because i asked that same question to myself last night when i popped open my stats and i saw i crossed the ten thousand downloads mark and oh, i was wow. like I, I was like how did i do this like this is just a crazy idea i interview people i love you know people that i feel passionate about and it just kind of blew up, and I'm like, 10,000 downloads, holy crap. I would have never seen this like when I started. Yeah, I and like, episodes are crazy long, too, like, <laughs> like crazy long. So, like, if people listen to your whole episodes, like, man, like, you know. And that's what I love yeah. about, yeah, that's what I love about podcasts. They're actually passive things, right? And, and when people subscribe to your podcast, they don't necessarily listen to the whole thing at once. But they'll listen to snippets of it, say when they're in the car or, you know, they're in the airport or something. And so when they get back to it, then they'll finish it. It's just like reading a book. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had some people say, I wish it was shorter. And then people say, you know, it's about right. I listen to it intermittently. And it's just kind of the way I like to do it. Um, It's not for everybody. Like I said, there's other podcasts out there. This is just how I feel for me, it's right. And how I can get a full episode and everything out there about a person. So now when I get here into my conclusion, when somebody goes, finds you out on social media, they pretty much know you (laughs) from what we hear on the podcast. So ending this, where can people find you out on, uh, find you out there on social media, uh, personally, and then where can they find uh, fly for the culture out there to support the movement that you guys are doing? Yeah, so my personal Instagram is Tuskegee Bloodline, like the Tuskegee Airmen, and then Blood Bloodline, you know. So T U S K E G E E B L O O D L I N E, and uh, then there is uh, the you know the Fly for the Culture pages, you know, just as it is Fly for the Culture on Instagram and Fly for the Culture on uh, on Facebook as well, and then you know Fly underscore fly for the culture.org hey can you uh repeat that one more time you kind of cut out there the uh the instagram handle for uh for fly for the culture and then the website as well yeah yeah it's just just fly for the culture on on instagram and you know it's a white background with you know black letters and a black air paper airplane um and then same thing for the website fly for the culture.org Awesome. 
Well, Jerome, man, I really appreciate it. We got into some really, really good stuff. Uh, you know, I think people are really going to appreciate what you guys are doing with Fly for the Culture. I think people are going to appreciate your story and all the, the things that you've done um, yeah. and everything that you're giving back to the community. And I really hope people, they really liked the uh, the CBS spot. And hopefully they go actually watch the real thing because there were some really cool video clips out there uh, with you doing the kids and the interview. Um, but man, I just really appreciate your time again. Like I said, uh, I always say the you know thing I love giving people is my time, but I really appreciate from the bottom of my heart, your time that you've given, uh, to me for the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me. I definitely appreciate, um, you reaching out and thinking that what I had to say was, you know, worth the, uh, two hours on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, but we're not going to keep Jerome any, uh, any longer. So make sure you go out to Instagram follow him on his personal page and also follow uh, fly for the culture as well. Follow what they're doing. Make sure you're getting involved. Make sure you're, you're commenting in there, uh, but go follow them and follow what they're doing and also watch for who they're giving the scholarship to uh, because that's coming <laughs> out as well. So again, Jerome, thank you so much for being a great guest here on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, guys, that episode was awesome. I hope you guys learned something from that. I really want you guys to go out there and follow uh, Jerome. I mean, guys, they're they're killing it with, with Fly for the Culture. And the fact that they were already featured on CBS News uh, is pretty incredible. And their story is just getting started. So I would appreciate it. It would mean a lot for me if you went out, gave Jerome a follow out on his social profile, uh, his personal social profile out there on Instagram, and then also followed um fly for the culture uh, as well and make sure you're following for them and you know get back to them you know give that again like we were talking about give your time if you have it if you can if they're you know maybe in your area or if you're just willing to help that's what aviation is all about the most successful people give their time in this industry uh, and they're the ones that are going to create the legacy uh, that everybody's going to remember. So thank you again for listening to today's episode. I'm super stoked to release the new episode, the new segment I'm going to start next week called Short Final. I hope you guys uh, stay tuned next week for that episode, and we will see you next week on the Avgeek Chronicles podcast. See you. Let's go.